Wealthmanagement.com presents Success Zone, a podcast dedicated to bringing financial advisors sweeping insights beyond the market headlines to help them become more savvy about the industry, transform their practice, enhance their marketing skills, and take their business to the next level. Listen in for a wealth of information that includes remarkable success stories and expert advice from the industry's key players and most successful and skilled financial professionals. Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Success Zone from WealthManagement.com. Advisors need faster and more efficient account opening processes, workflows that keep the office informed of progress and are required to keep all of its client data secure, an environment full of choice that seems to become more complex by the day. Tech-savvy advisors become enamored by the new options just to find out they are not compatible with their current systems or maybe the vendor is a great fit but is soon acquired by a third party with different motives after dedicating tremendous due diligence and integration efforts. How can an advisor remain starkly independent while tapping into turnkey technology offerings that work well together, have ongoing due diligence performed for them, and work in conjunction with the common goal of making the advisor more efficient? We're going to discuss this. Things like digital account opening, securing your data through more cyber secure solutions, and information on best in breed vendors. And to do that, we have Aaron Spradlin, the Vice President, CIO, and CISO of United Planners Financial Services, and Sheila Kafari Agassi, the Executive Vice President of United Planners. Both have over 25 years of industry experience and have been with United Planners for over 10 years. So today we're going to do kind of a question and answer session with these two experts, and I'd like to greet them That's right now. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing very well. Hello, Eric. Great to meet you, Eric. Looking forward to talking today. Yeah, absolutely. I know you guys have a tremendous amount of experience and a lot of knowledge, so I want to jump right in. Are you guys ready? Ready. All right, Aaron, I'm going to direct this towards you. We, we really spoke to Sheila last time. How did you become passionate about the subject of technology that an advisor uses to run their practice? It's interesting when you mention the word technology. As uh, when I'm not a really, I'm not a fan of technology as much as technology being used for the purposes of solving business problems or business solutions. My passion really is about my years of industry experience serving financial advisors, and really coming to a, a firm that was dedicated to meaningful solutions, meaningful business practice solutions. And so, you know, it was an opportunity to bring together creative solutions that were operational as well as procedural, as well as technology driven. So tech and applied common sense and applied mm -hmm. common sense. <laughs> and so it's really that technology is just one of many tools that should be used um, by an advisor or anybody in the industry to, you know, solve and, and meet the needs out there. And so uh, uniquely have a lot of technical skill and, uh, and I see that uh, technology can be used to, to solve many problems. That's where my excitement with technology comes from. Yeah, and it's a lot of it is just kind of looking outside of the way things have always been done and, and looking at new ways to apply that common sense and, you know, uh, bring solutions to advisors. So through technology, so they're not really technology solutions, but business solutions through the adoption of technology. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Why should advisors refrain from building their own tech stack per se? It seems that independent advisors really saw this as the norm and a way to differentiate themselves to their clients. You know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, building your own tech stack is definitely something that in the fintech community became very popular. Uh, United Planners was very much at the forefront of supporting that initiative. The reality was is 
things have changed uh, and there's some realities we have to face today, such as cybersecurity, cost of ownership, change in the market uh, around acquisitions. And, and so as a small business, there was a promise in the fintech community that somehow these vendors that were low cost solutions and with high features were going to integrate deeply in a meaningful way on behalf of these small businesses and deliver you know, enterprise solutions. And while that was definitely the initiative, the results have been less than, I would say, most businesses have been looking for, which is why firms like the firm we're with at United Planners has been so successful is because we really focused in standing in the gap between those integrations to make them meaningful. And so there was a, a promise that was out there that was, I think, undelivered. And now with the new cybersecurity challenges, as well as just the changes that are happening, the acquisitions and some of the cultural changes that are happening in the market that are making it really hard as a small business to stand out on your own technologically, owning your own tech stack. I, I think that's maybe a um, something that will never come to pass. Sure. Well, advisors want to provide very specialized services to their clients and, you know, utilization of technology is a way for them to really differentiate themselves in the marketplace. Uh, the challenge is they're faced with these thinner margins and, you know, heightened security requirements now. Uh, the ongoing due diligence that's required by the regulators is, is just impossible on these thin margins yeah, so for advisors Shirley, to tackle on their I own. I think the question's interesting because I don't think they should refrain from building their own brand. Right. But I think they should refrain from is thinking that, you know, the brand means that they also have to be able to own the integrations and all the technologies and that the technologies will work by themselves without investing a significant amount of money in making sure those technologies work. So, I think that's the, the hidden danger is, of course, a vendor will go and present that they do an integration, but does that integration actually work for your business model? Sure. Does it work in the way that you really want it to work and does it work at its scale? Well, does it make you more efficient? That's right. right. The advisors need to be more efficient. They need to use their time more wisely. They Their clients demand automated account opening processes and ease of doing business, it, you know, books and record keeping, uh, in a more automated fashion. So, you know, technology can solve a lot of those problems, but, you know, the challenge is advisors building it on their own. It just, it's a very expensive endeavor. Yes. That and time consuming. I mean, they, they've got to learn all of that on their own and try to incorporate that. And, and I know that you, you spoke to it a little bit, but digital account opening has been discussed for years. You're also kind of, sounds like you're alluding a little bit to robo-advisors or even the electronic signature or the concept of moving from forms from the open opening process and replacing them with live data. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? What I'm talking about is, you know, how an advisor runs their practice and how they want to operate. So do they want to be somebody that's completely open architecture, host at multiple custodians? Do they want to be a closed architecture? Do they want to open accounts across many insurance companies as well as many mutual fund companies, or do they want to host it in all one place? And how does that play into your brand? How can you scale that? And when you're a small business, how are you going to manage that? Mm -hmm. And digital account opening, I think, is a, a, an inflection point where you get to the core of scale. So if you're going to run your business as an open architecture, do business where you want, there's a cost of ownership. There's a cost of doing business 
that comes with that. Now, when you see the innovations that are happening, let's say robo or digital account advice platforms, they're really about who's going to create the best experience, the best engagement experience with the ultimate consumer that these advisors are wanting to serve. And so there's a massive amount of money and competition going to create that experience. But that experience is driven a lot by also how the advisor builds their their own practice and their own brand. And it's a very complex equation between independence and your ability to have a enterprise tech stack that can meet your needs. So for example, when you get to digital account opening, is are you going to have that digital account opening experience be driven by one custodian? Or do you want that digital account opening experience driven by your broker dealer? And now all of a sudden you really can't leave that broker dealer. Are they mm-hmm. the center of the universe? I think the fundamental question, we use this term a lot, Sheila, is who's the center of the universe? And I think from United Planners perspective, um, in my perspective, the advisor and their business is the center of the universe. And it's our job as a firm to help deliver the automation and the back office capabilities so they can run the business the way they want. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yes. So that's really how we've positioned ourselves, I think, a lot differently than some of the other IBDs in the space and and even some of the RIA servicing agents out there is the fact that, that we don't see ourselves as the center of the universe, right? We've worked to make the advisors more efficient on the platform in which they choose to do business. And and we've done this by taking a fiduciary approach with the advisors. Our expectation is that they are a fiduciary to their client and that they have an open architecture environment to be able to choose from a number of different custodians. You know, the the more these custodians are able to compete against one another, the more the clients win. And that just helps drive costs down, whereas other firms have chosen one particular custodian and often cases actually more likely a clearing firm, which just adds an exorbitant amount of cost to, you know, the client and to the advisor doing business on that platform. But yet then they're found, they're hamstrung, you know, and and attached to that custodian. So fundamental to practice management is really the decision of who's your client, what are their expectations, what's your brand. And then our job is to stand in the gap Mm -hmm. to make sure that, that, that the promises of the technology, the promises of the platform you've chosen, that we can help empower it and make sure it meets the needs that you you want versus us building a model that we make the independent advisor fit into. Now, use the word independent advisor because these are independent thinking, independent models. There is a model out there for firms that want to work on a single platform, and we'll get into this later, like a Schwab or a, other firms like the United Capital out there that are meant to serve a market, but we have a very specific market, a very specific brand that we have that we're trying to serve and we're trying to serve it well. Absolutely. You know, and and when it is created by a firm who's meant to serve many advisors, we can keep up as technology evolves and changes over time. You know, we've already seen the iPhone launch thumbprints and retina scans and, you know, a a different type of authentication process. And when you've got, you know, one firm really focused on standing in the gap and serving those needs for underlying advisors, as the authentication process continues to evolve, that firm can evolve, you know, as technology and and, uh, authentication evolves. And regulatory. Yeah. And regulatory scrutiny. Absolutely. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm a total geek when it comes to technology. I love the idea of that. I love just the the idea of advancing that movement in all areas. But I've worked with advisors specifically for many, many, many years, and I, I love the idea. However, it's a little scary, right? I mean, that's that's just like you said. The last comment you made was uh, regulatory bodies. That's a that's a big scary comment. Um, so, what are some of the challenges with launching this type of advancement today? There quite a few challenges. I'm going to go through some of them. Mm -hmm. So today is uh, the amount of choices. The market is rich with choice, but that that is its own cost of ownership. So the more choices you have, the harder it is to differentiate between those choices and the more cost in making those decisions. More importantly, the amount of change, you know, and this is uh, echoes everywhere for these advisors, whether it's regulatory change or technology change, and now cybersecurity requirements, that the velocity continues to increase, especially in financial services or fintech uh, technologies, the velocity of change is making it really hard to take on uh, and grow in the market today. So launching today typically means as an advisor picking a platform, picking a space or joining an existing firm. It's really hard to come in the market today, build your own tech stack, deliver and differentiate yourself in the market and stay up with what's happening, which is, I would say, one of the bigger challenges I see going on today. More choice means more cost, uh, more risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I would see within risk, I say, Sheila, is that um, a lot of these new startups are um, venture-based startups. Mm-hmm. And venture-based startups means that um, are they really aligned with their culture? Are they, If you're venture-based, but you're a long-term uh, relationship-based company, then you're picking something in your tech stack that is designed to sell. And um, how can you predict and grow your business off of that? And when you're only paying them $25 a month, $50 a month for the service, they're really, you're not in control of that relationship. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the fundamental, um, let's call it the contract, the social contract between the FinTech community and the advisors they serve is that these are not enterprise contracts. And they are, you know, contracts based on and relationships based on month to month. And as you see in the market today, there's been some pretty big sales of some very big firms and acquisitions. And if you built your tech stack off of that, it's it's a challenge. Yes. I, I actually wanted to step in and give Aaron a ton of credit here with what's been accomplished by United Planners. It's been done with a lot of forethought, a lot of relationship building, making sure that, you know, we were working with best in breed vendors first, understanding, you know, what that long-term objective was of each one of these providers. And then, like you said, standing in the gaps earlier, you know, we know as an organization and because of the brilliance coming directly from Aaron, that we can do anything, but we can't do everything, not Mm -hmm. well anyway. So, you know, we really have to hone in as an organization, understand what we're delivering, how we are serving the community in the best and most scalable way. But all the while, the more information relay that occurs between these vendors, the higher the need to have good cybersecurity policies. And I would say that that's one of the real challenges that we're continuously faced with is, you know, understanding uh, what security measures are in place with each one of these vendors. The more vendors Mm -hmm. that have access to your client's NPI, the higher risk is carried that there could be a breach. And, and yeah. you know, we've seen this with third-party vendors. So ultimately the, the final risk that she's speaking to is that 
you know, from a, we're a regulated industry. We have, um, obviously it's a stating the most obvious thing, but as a regulated industry, the fundamental design has been that, you know, the advisor, the regulated entity owns their business. They own their data and they're responsible for that mm -hmm. data. And the only mechanism to address that is directly through the small business, the advisor by the regulator. They don't regulate the vendors that the advisors use. So this model is to put the pressure on the regulated entity to regulate the vendors. Well, that that is a very complicated and unsolvable problem. Yeah. And so that's what we ultimately challenge. Now the advisor has to realize that, you know, in the same way they own their paperwork and the pieces of paper and where they store it and how they send it off to be shredded and how they send it off to be stored. It's the same way the regulars expect that piece of social security number data you just put in a vendor to be managed. And it's your responsibility as an advisor, not their responsibility to do that from a regulatory as well as a legal and potentially, you know, other frameworks. And so that is the challenge we face is because we are in a, um, a small business market, uh, medium-sized business market, uh, large enterprises that are regulated um, own their technology stacks. They own their data centers. They own the pipe. They own all of it. And that's how they're the able to meet CRM, them. the aggregation, right. mm -hmm. and even, if they, even if they outsource it or they yeah. use cloud, they are able to do it through private cloud and different technologies where we as an industry have moved at a velocity play to bring up low cost, high feature, but uh, that is has its own challenges as an industry we have to start to address. So what I really see is that many advisors, especially independent advisors, just don't even understand how many ways their client data is at risk, whether it is their own CRM, their notes, their aggregation softwares, the you know DST visions of the world, that data is at risk in so many different areas and ultimately, the regulators have an expectation that they are responsible for that, the safety of that information. So what are the regulators, I mean, just to boil it down, what are the regulators expecting that RIAs and hybrid advisors do to protect that client data? Because from what I've seen with working advisors, the, the cost is tremendous. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And it requires at least a full-time specialist just in that area that will certify and attest to the security of the data. And that, that's problematic. That's the hidden cost of all of this uh, decision that we made. The hidden cost that we kind of walked ourselves into as an industry was not realizing that vendor due diligence in particular is a high cost. Hmm. Uh, and vendor due diligence is not about picking something, but understanding from a regulatory perspective, their security posture understanding the rules that you're under and are those vendors adhering to your regulatory rules. And so, for example, NYDFS is a very popular one out there and they have very specific requirements they put on you, the advisor. Those requirements extend to your vendors. And that's the expectation that I think we're starting to get clear understanding of as an industry. They have specific requirements around the advisor in their own office and their own devices but those extend to your vendors also. These vendors are serving a regulated industry. Uh, they, and I think this is the piece of the puzzle that the thought leaders in the industry have started to come together to try to solve. And the Cleverdome partnership was one of those 
partnerships between the thought leaders like TD Ameritrade, Redtel Technology, Risk Allies, and in particular Orion, uh, United Planners Financial Services, our firm, and, and others such as Joel Bruckenstein, Paul Osterberg, and Brian Edelman, and many others. And if I didn't mention their names, I hope they don't get mad at me, but came together to say, well, this sounds like a problem that not each advisor can solve individually or each vendor can solve individually. What thought leadership can we put together as an industry? Can we come up with a standardized due diligence process that a vendor can adhere to that would let them know that they're meeting the regulatory requirements as well as best practices? What are the requirements we can put uh, for the advisor so you know that they're meeting the minimum standards and not minimum standards from the perspective of not achieving best practices, but best practices without overdoing it um, because they're small businesses for protecting their business and their client information. And what can we do to put all that on a uh, faster, more secure network? And so that's where the uh, Cleverdome co-op came from was to essentially address what you just said, which is this seems like something that that needs to be addressed as a community um, based on standards and uh, best practices and a common solution to bring the economics of it in line with Mm -hmm. the business that we're in. Sure. Well, you know, Aaron, you hit on it earlier as you broke down and talked about the analogy of, you know, shredding and and the fact that the regulators have the expectation that you treat your your online information the same way as you would with your shredded materials or your physical materials. I'll take that just a step further and say, you know, physical security should equal cybersecurity. Everyone's got a key to their front door. And let's talk about our offices, right? You've got maybe locked filing cabinets. You've got a lock on the front door. You've got an alarm system. Uh, You're notified immediately if that alarm system is triggered by, you know, a, a servicing agent. So you have to have all of those same steps. Now, they look very different in the cybersecurity realm, but it's, it's that same basic process of being notified if there is an event and then having, you know, a police report, but it's a cybersecurity report. You know, a lot of people really equate their risk factor based on their geographic region. There are people throughout the United States that still keep their front doors open because it's a very low crime area. Unfortunately, with cybercrime, there is no geographic target. In fact, the smaller you are and the smaller town that you're in, the lower your current security requirements may be, mm-hmm. and therefore the easier a target you have made yourself. The cyber criminals are all over the world, and uh, they don't have to leave the confines of their own home or office in order to hack into your system. So uh, the security of thinking, you know, I'm in a small town and, uh, you know, just service my local community, unfortunately, that, that puts you even more at risk. So we as a firm like to be solution-based, not fear-based. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we were really excited to be part of the community, you know, bringing the Cleverdome concept to the discussion. Because as advisors and they look at these challenges, I understand that most of the advisors listening to this podcast will think to themselves, well, look, there's 10,000 other users on the platform I'm using. You know, there's some protection in being in the crowd. And I understand that. But there's also the reality that when the breach happens of that vendor, uh, the cost to you is probably going to be greater than you, they, most of them understand. And so the fundamental thing the regulars expect advisors to do is engage in risk management and have a risk policy understanding of what they're doing and the cost of that. So one thing I want all the advisors on this call to understand is if there is a breach, 
there's an expectation you're going to end up changing the account numbers. Even that's all, even if they just got the account numbers, that's it. They didn't get all the quote unquote MPI. If your client's account numbers are out there, that's enough for a hacker to call up to one of the custodians and try to use it as a way of getting in the system. And we know for a fact that in the past, you, you've had to change all the account numbers. And that, that has impact cost mm-hmm. to you and the custodian. There is other impact. Um, the recent breach of a, a, a firm out there was just, oh, all they took was the uh, names and the email addresses. Well, that was used by the dark web to correlate that information to people's other passwords. And uh, we're able to use that to breach the platform. And so this idea that, well, it wasn't the social security number, so that's no big deal, is a miscalculation of the true risk management and I think that's the more fundamental problem. And that's where firms like ours stand in the gap is we have a professional risk management team. We have a professional CISO team and, and technology folks to, to engage in that risk management decision to help bring the solution at scale to the advisors so the advisors can keep their costs down. The idea you're going to be out there on an island by yourself solving this I think is where we started this conversation. It's one thing to pick the technology stack and that has its own risk. We discussed that. It's a second cost to do the due diligence. But I think cybersecurity is the the deal killer because that is really where you talk about insurance and risk management and if and when it goes wrong, by the way, we've had many breaches recently. Not we, United Planners. Yes, the industry as Clarity. well as, yes, the main breaches. Um, when it goes wrong, that's when the second guessing, that's when the regulatory scrutiny increases, and that's when the fines go up. And so um, that's what we've been seeing in the industry, and I think we're going to continue to see that for the near future. Aaron, you said that you guys really want to uh, focus on solutions and not fears, but it, again, it can be pretty scary. So what is the easy answer? How does an advisor go about protecting themselves? Well, three options, maybe a couple more, but one is if you're on a custodial platform that's out there, you may want to just consider using everything that they're providing you and trusting their capability. Two, you may want to join one of the larger firms that are out there that have technology stacks that they've pre-built for you and you can use for your practice. And that's probably an acceptable risk. Three, I think is firms like United Planners that are willing to stand in the gap and allow you to have a little more of an independent model, but yet help to facilitate and manage those costs. Another option I've seen out there is third-party money managers that have built out platforms. So that's the majority of answers today is you're going to have to rethink what it means to, from a technology perspective, in my opinion, to own your technology because the cost of ownership is, I think, far exceeding the reality of most investment advisors to own their tech stack without some partner an InvestNet, a United Planners, a United Capital, a Schwab, a TD Ameritrade, mm-hmm. uh, standing in the gap, or or an Orion, you know, platform. So, that's that's my observation about the market today. If that, you know, Sheila, would you add anything else to add to that? I would. I mean, the first step is really, you know, educate yourself, be prudent, be informed, hire professionals. Advisors are really good at what advisors do. And some of them, some of their bandwidth, you know, based on the size of their staff can extend well beyond, you know, your typical advisor, if you will. But you need professionals to walk alongside Mm -hmm. you in this area, because unless you 
dedicate a tremendous amount of your time staying up with the latest trends and how hackers are gaining access, it's just, it's impossible to, to do it on your own. So as the Chief Information Security Officer and CIO at United Planners, I'll tell you what matters most to us is customer service and our ability to create a great brand. And we are outsourcing a lot to really great platforms out there. So I think as an advisor, I don't think they should fear not owning their tech stack because really what's what differentiates them in the market at least in my opinion, and I've seen the successful ones out there, are companies with great brands, great customer service, and a great team around them that are also, as uh, Cowboy Ethics says, uh, riding for the brand. Hmm. And so I, I think that there's, you know, we don't have to fear the fact that you can't make all of your fintech integrate on your own. I don't know if that's really where advisors should be focusing their energy, in my opinion. And if I were to give an advice to an advisor today, that's what I would say is uh, join one of these uh, really great platforms and find a way to differentiate yourself. Most of the biggest brands out there, that's the way they seem to really ultimately differentiate themselves in the market. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been taking notes on on some of the things you've been saying. I, I've got two, two things here. Sheila, you said something that was just absolutely beautiful and I agree with 100%. You said, you know what? have the advisor bring in the professional so they don't have to learn this and do all this. It takes a team to really effectively do it and, and get it accomplished. And it's so funny because that's exactly what an advisor should be thinking about or telling a potential client of theirs, because sure, a client can go out and do all their own investing and trading and so on and so forth, but they would have to spend all that time learning everything the advisor knows to be able to do it as effectively if they could even reach that point. And I think it's the exact same correlation between them utilizing a team instead of having to do everything themselves. They just don't have the time to do that. So I think that was a great example. And then Aaron, you you said something earlier that I'm not familiar with and forgive me for this, but you, you mentioned Clever Dome. I think I said that right. Clever Dome? That's correct. Cleverdome. That's correct. What is Cleverdome? Yeah, that's a great question. So Cleverdome is just like what you mentioned was uh, a lot of people coming together to try to solve a problem on behalf of an advisor. It's as a as an entity, Cleverdome was organized as a benefit corporation. It said the benefit it was describing was to take consumer information off the open internet. Mm. It was designed to be um, so as a benefit corporation. I don't. A lot of advisors on the call know about benefit corps, but benefit corps are becoming uh, very popular in the market because what you do is you declare a public benefit and then the board of directors is a, a fiduciary to that public benefit. Now, why that matters in this case is we are trying to ensure that the organization that we are all going to join, this benefit corp, uh, is a fiduciary to what we want them to do, which is to protect consumer information. So the way they've been described is for-profit, nonprofits. They are a very unique organization. And within this organization, what we did is we created a cooperative. Now, why this matters to the advisors is it allows the vendors to meet a, a due diligence standard under the uh, Cleverdome model and then join the co-op. And by joining the cooperative, it allows us to do one due diligence standard and then share that due diligence standard among the other members of the co-op. And so this is a way for the vendors to save money by not having to answer so many different questionnaires and, and knowing their questionnaire they answer is sufficient for many entities. And two, for the advisors to save money because they can rely on this cooperative that they've joined 
in order to adhere to that standard too. So it's a legal framework. Uh, it's a way for us as an industry to, to start to solve this shared assessment. Um, it's very akin to, I think, in the market of the um, credit cards of PCI compliant. And so we're trying to make a PCI compliant cloud, a way of uh, all of us adhering to a standard and, and knowing that we're all under that standard and you can trust that standard. Now, that standard is even made more important by the fact that we're actually using a very high-speed secure network. Um, this network is available to the advisor community now to communicate with their vendors that have joined under a, uh, a very fast and a, um, we use the word today, um, intelligence-grade security. It's actually military-grade security, but it's even enough that it would make it hard for even intelligence agencies to know what's going on within the network. So it's a really fast, really secure network with a common due diligence standard. And then ultimately, all we said was, uh, as an industry, we'd like um, advisors who are part of this or uh, other people who are part of this to use secure devices. The technical term for what this is, if you read Gartner and you're into nerd stuff like <laughs> that, this is the world's first software-defined perimeter. Software-defined perimeter is a, a technical term for a new environment, a new cloud that is private, secure, and available to take information off the open internet. And so as an industry, we're, we're looking to move ourselves towards this direction. At least that's the, the, the model. But here's the most important thing. When these vendors join this co-op, they're joining a benefit corporation as a fiduciary to the consumer. It creates an alignment. It creates a self-regulation of the vendors that serve our industry with the advisors that they're serving. Because the advisors today are a fiduciary to the consumer. They should know that the vendors they're working with are willing to meet a minimum standard and adhere and join a cooperative that is also a fiduciary to the consumer. So it's a very unique model that we've worked on as a, a community that uh, allows us to increase performance decrease cost, and create better alignment between the vendors that are serving us and the community that they're serving. So that is what Clever Dome is. All right. Well, that was very clear. I appreciate that. And it kind of reflected a little bit what you said earlier. I'm kind of hearing a theme here that the advisor themselves, they're responsible, right? They own it. It's it's on them to make sure that everything is secure and, and everything's regulated, if you will. Uh, and the industry itself is very highly regulated, but I'm hearing that you're saying that the vendors that serve the advisors here, the technology vendors, there, there isn't one set standard at all. Is there, do they have any standard that are set by the regulatory bodies at all for them to do business? No. And therein lies the greatest challenge we face, <laughs> oh, which I used to describe as the unsolvable challenge is yeah. the only way regulators were able to even address this challenge was to regulate or overregulate our industry as proxy to get the vendors to align with consumer protection. And the reality is, is most of the vendors today that are in FinTech don't even have a chief information security officer on staff, let alone meet the regulatory requirements. Now, I'm not saying they're not secure. I'm not saying they're not doing their best to be secure, but you know, these some of these are coming out of Silicon Valley and 20 year old kids and I'm sure they have the best intentions in the world, but there is no standardized regulatory framework for them to know that they're actually meeting our requirements like NYDFS or California or state laws. So creating a, a body, an entity 
that can create that standard that the vendors can then show that they're at least meeting that standard. It is a very fundamental advancement for security and consumer protection to bring that same concept of PCI compliant, but bring it to FinTech and, and help advisors know that the vendors are at least meeting best cybersecurity as, as well as regulatory, as well as state privacy protections on their behalf. You know, you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? As, as we look back a couple years ago now that Target was breached, it, it was by one of their vendors. Uh, their security was up to par, but it was through a breach of one of their vendors, which ended up being their weakest link. So, yeah. And full disclosure on that, I am the, I'm a co-founder as one of the uh, members of that. And today they give me the title chief visionary officer, which basically means it's just my job to uh, come up with really great ideas, but it's a lot of other people's job to make them reality. So the idea was we as a firm were not able to afford to do all this due diligence. We as a firm were not able to afford our own private network. We as a firm were not able to solve these problems ourselves. And so went to the community and said, can we solve this together? And, and so that's ultimately what this is about, is a community effort to bring faster private networking so that all advisors can have access to the type of technology that a Bank of America has access to or a, you know, a larger, um, I don't want to Bank of America alone, but I mean, any of these large, very wealthy uh, financial institutions have capabilities and resources far beyond our wealth management industry. And we're trying to democratize that. Well, the, the big difference between us and them is the fact that they say, you know what, our associated advisors can stay in the bike lane, right? I, I like to use the freeway as a comparison, whereas in our world, there's a five-lane highway. You get to choose which technology vendor within the approved list of firms that have completed and complied with the due diligence standard. You get freedom of choice within those vendors and and the larger wirehouse type organizations that everything's conducted within their own private network really limits that choice. You get the choice of using option A or option A. Right. And higher security, less choice. We're hoping for a lot of choice and we're actually more secure and faster. So there is a real attempt to be a democratization of cybersecurity because it is something that should not be on the back of each small business in the United States of America. And then of course, United Planners gets the real benefit because the chief visionary officer of Cleverdome works with us here at United Planners. Yeah, that's a bonus. (laughs) It's kind of nice. So Sheila, I I know that we spoke a little bit about it on the last podcast, and I would encourage any listener that's hearing what we're saying today to go back and listen to Sheila's podcast. It was fantastic. Can you just tell us a little bit more about United Planners' role and, and how they're helping their advisors and what you guys are doing? Sure. So United Planners is an independent broker dealer and RIA firm, very uniquely structured as a limited partnership. Uh, We're located in Scottsdale, Arizona. We have about 500 or so rough, roughly advisors nationwide. And, you know, we really see our objective, we're we're very different from the traditional broker-dealer model, um, is to stand in the gaps, to empower advisors to be as efficient as they can possibly be, to have open architecture, low-cost environments for their clients, while providing all of the infrastructure that they need to uh, have a great technology stack, to be cyber secure and compliant. Uh, we see our role as, you know, empowering the advisor's success and helping make sure that they stay out of trouble 
we, you know, run point and, and provide a lot of infrastructure and supervision. We automate a lot of the compliance necessities for them. And, you know, this is just one of those other gaps that we stood in. And as we started brainstorming ideas, how do we make the advisor more compliant? You know, we're, we're about to see a whole new set of enforcement action in the range of cybersecurity. So we wanted to stand in that gap, make sure that the advisors had a good, solid foundation because we understand the reputational risk, Mm -hmm. the fines and the cost of remediation of a cybersecurity breach. I mean, frankly, one incident can cost the advisor their entire business. Yeah. Yeah. So we were providing cybersecurity insurance, vendor due diligence, device monitoring, a secure network faster than VPN. And I think within insurance, the one thing we were really focused on there, and this ties back into Cleverdome also, was making sure that we had an insurance that was enforceable. Because one of the challenges with insurance is when it happens, you're going to be able to enforce the insurance policy. Because if there's something the advisor um, did not do, or there's some way that neglect. they neglect right. the insurance companies, as we know, and uh, we all love our insurance companies, but you know, they, they don't, if there was a major breach, the question is, is there a, a protocol? Is there a way to s- stand behind and ensure that they're going to pay out on the insurance? Mm-hmm. So United planners focus very heavily on building out a model that we, we could show through private networking, through a common due diligence standard, through these different models that, our insurance could stand if there was something that happened at one of our vendors because we did everything that was required of us. Got it. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, that's that's what everybody needs. So let me ask you this. Are there any closing thoughts for today's podcast? My, my closing thought is just to encourage the advisors to continue to primarily look to, as you said earlier, thought leaders. I think that there's many consultants that are out there and they're all amazing consultants. And so if you oh. are, uh, well, most <laughs> of them, kidding. yeah, most of them are great. Um, but they're really, there are a lot of people out there that really specialize in vendor due diligence and helping advisors grow their practice. And I encourage them to do that. And that's, that's still a viable um, business model. But I think more importantly, to start really rethinking the concept of owning your own technology stack. And if you are going to do that, to really start to look at partners like United Planners uh, that are out there in the market that have developed technology and business solutions that are designed to help empower your independence. So if that's what you're committed to, we're the right kind of brand. But if you're really not committed to that and you want to really look uh, other you know, models. The other choices like Orion and you know, the other platforms that are out there and go single platform, it's an option. And, you know, I just encourage advisors to maybe rethink the last four years and look over the next three to five years and realize that the velocity change will increase. Innovation of fintech community will increase dramatically. And they may want to start looking to pick a partner that's going to help to take on those challenges and bear that burden with them. So if there is an advisor just listening to this and they're thinking, okay, next three to five years, I do need to make a change. How do they reach out to you? So I would encourage them to visit our website, probably one of the easiest ways, uh, www.unitedplanners.com or join unitedplanners.com. Our phone number is 1-800-966-8737 and they can speak to any member of our partner development team. You know, closing thoughts for me, I will simply say what I said earlier resonate with everything that 
Aaron said, uh, which is be prudent, be informed, hire professionals, right? And, and please consider United Planners. We have separate programs and offerings. We're very uniquely formed as a limited partnership. 55% of the firm's profits go right back to those who associate with us, who qualify as limited partners. So there's really no reason not to consider at least have a, an opening conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron and Sheila, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate Thank it. it. Thanks, great talking Eric. to you. You bet. And thank you for listening to the Success Zone podcast from wealthmanagement.com. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the Success Zone comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. Do yourself a favor and share this podcast with people in your office so you can learn together. Again, thanks for listening. For everyone at wealthmanagement.com, this is Eric Johnson reminding you that when you listen, learn, and grow, you'll find yourself in the Success Zone, which I think is a great place to be. So we'll see you next time. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of wealthmanagement.com. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by wealthmanagement.com. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only. Wealthmanagement.com does not make any representation or warranties with respect to accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content or of any sites listed or linked to the content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service with any questions you have regarding your investment planning.